The following is brought to you by... Whether the glass shatters or the gong hits, whether you smell what's cooking or you hear the voices, the very beginning, the very first one second of your theme song is the most important thing when you hit the curtain. I am Matthew Priest. This is Ramblings of a Grappleman, and I'm here today talking about entrances in professional wrestling. I just kicked off naming a few of the more iconic beginnings to theme songs. The glass shattering, Stone Cold Steve Austin. When that hit, the thunderous ovation that came through the audience before the first riff of his theme song, which was absolutely killer, mind you. The Undertaker's gong hit. You might not see the man for a minute or 90 seconds, but the crowd, the atmosphere that's created from just something so simple as a gong striking if you smell, that's all it took for The Rock. The Rock had several theme songs, but once you heard his voice with the If You Smell, and he was like the first um, theme song, especially in that era, where it had like uh, the catchphrase to kick the theme song off. Um, and you know, a lot of guys followed up. Hardcore Holly uh, comes to mind um, just to try to give, give a little extra punch when a guy started to get over. Um, you know, Jericho had the countdown. The other thing I named more recently, Randy Orton. If, uh, you know, I hear voices. That's all it takes. Boom, you know who's coming out. John Cena, boom, you know who's coming out. The, the biggest stars in the business have always had that first second. Boom, boom, boom. I'm snapping my fingers. Because you know who's hitting the curtain before they hit the curtain with that opening riff. And that is so important to a theme song and so many wrestlers on the independent scene especially don't understand that first second of a theme song if you're new and fans don't know you then why are you going to let your theme song play for 10 20 i've seen guys go 45 seconds to audiences they've never been in front of if fans do know you you better have the greatest intro known to man uh for a theme song there that the crowd could sing along to, um, or, you know, or, or a thing like the Undertaker or you know, RVD are guys who made the crowd wait and they didn't wait for a specific cue in the song to hit the curtain. Um, you know, other great intros there. You know, you had uh, of course that riff for the Ultimate Warrior, boom, that first chord hit, and that place would come alive. Hogan, that bang, bang, bang. That's it. That's all it took, and the crowd's gonna go nuts. Again, the very beginning, Bret Hart had the slide. Bog Bossman had a different uh, Bog Bossman. Big Bossman had a different uh, guitar slide. You know, Foley and Razor Ramon had a similar sound. But again, it was things right at the very beginning of the theme song. Because that all Jim Johnson, maybe so. And guys, in recent years, you know, I think Finn Balor's entrance is pretty iconic. Um, but he, even they added that little like demon growl to the beginning, and you know who's coming out, and he's got a killer theme song. Um, Bobby Roode killer theme song uh, in, in more recent years as well. Um, Samoa Joe has always had great theme songs. Going we'll back to ROH, and when you think of guys on the indies, you know Samoa Joe always had had that Godzilla roar in it, uh, and, and that's an awesome little sound. You're like, okay, this badass dude's coming out, and you, it, it, it suits him. The theme song suits him with that with that roar, a colossal beast. 
and um, I, I loved it. I loved everything that, that, that Joe's done with his theme songs over the years. Even if even if they're not showers at first, they're growers, that's for sure. Um, you know, Shawn Michaels' iconic theme song. But again, you know within the first second what it is. It's a good riff. It's something you can... You can uh, Bob your head to, you dance to, you can you can get behind, and it doesn't help that he's got you know Sherry singing his his song for him, um, and well him singing himself, whatever you know Dibiase, Ted Dibiase with the laugh, I mean great theme songs have that first second is the most important second to any theme song. Um, I was alluding to people waiting a long time and things to come out, and I mentioned The Undertaker, I mentioned RVD. The difference there between a lot of those guys being established is in ECW, RVD's music would hit. Um, another, he's, He had a great theme song in ECW, Pantera Walk, and then WWE, of course, had the one-of-a-kind song. But he had that little had that little swirl gimmick at the very beginning and knew who was coming out. Um, I can't stress that enough. And guys, on the indies especially, have some quiet, long, slow, building-up intro, and it just does not work on the indie scene. Um I shouldn't say it does not because one out of every 20 guys, maybe 50 guys, can get oh get it over. Can get an entrance over with a really slow, long intro. But they've got to be a real special talent once they hit that curtain and, and uh, have a boatload of charisma to get it over. Um, or have a really killer song that follows that a crowd can get stuck on their head and hum along to. But I think whether it be a riff whether it be a um, a beat, no matter what type of of, of theme song you're going for, um, it's got to be something you can walk to, and I think that's often overlooked. So, so modern day pro wrestling in the year 2021, as I record this, in the midst of a snowstorm across most of the nation, where this damn state of Texas is shut down due to ice, sporting events canceled, everything else. But you know what? Monday Night Raw is going to take place tonight. This is a Monday night as I record this, and WWE always found ways to to get through these adverse situations. And um, you know, they they put so much pageantry into their their presentation and their shows, and they really took the theme song to another level. As I mentioned, um, uh, most of the theme songs I've I've talked about here, um, I I diverged quickly from what I was going going to get into with the walk. I will get back to. The importance of the walk, but I'm gonna tap into a little bit of the history here of the theme song since I'm on that. Still, there's more to an entrance than a theme song, um, but going back into really just all forms of entertainment. Um, when you think of live entertainment, you know the the circus was a boatload full of uh, pageantry and showmanship, without a doubt. Um, but really, in the, and it was in rock music specifically in like the the 70s. I mean, before that, before the 70s, you know, you had Elvis and the Beals, the two, and, and the Stones, the Rolling Stones, and the Stones were considered to have like the best live show. I mean, they blew the Beatles out of the water when it came to a live performance. While the Beatles might have had better songwriting and song structure, um, probably more talented musicians, it was the Stones that, that had the show um and then elvis had he was just such a magnetic star he was a star and he had a little bit of pageantry and he had the showmanship as well but really until kiss came along until alice cooper came along um 
to where you saw the whole spectacle and the theatrics and and Kiss with the with still to this day arguably the best live stage show and one of the best concerts I've ever seen in person. Um, they just they bring it, and that influence of the '70s uh, and the shift in culture. Uh, you have to look at where we were as a society and as a time then too, where this the rock music and that type of showmanship is 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 big, and the MTV era starting to kick off in the early '80s. Music it always been a huge part of of everyone's life, but it was you know in the '50s and '60s and '70s it was you know more something you found on the radio or you you had the album and you put it on. Uh, you know, for special moments, and it wasn't something that was as a impactful of folks' lives as it is today. Um, I mean, it, it had impacts in their lives, but it wasn't the same type of uh, effect. It didn't drive the society uh, so much until really like the late '60s with the big movement there, which bled into the '70s. Which here we go to the '80s with the MTV era. Um, a lot of people will say that the 70s had the best music. It was very diverse, probably the most diverse era of t- popular music because you had the boom of disco. You had the end of, like, um, you know, you had the, the beginning of heavy metal, essentially. The disco era boomed. Pop music, um, especially with funk, huge in the 70s. Um, hip-hop started in the late 70s. Uh, you know, rock and roll took its turn and then had you know arguably its its best success all of that bleeds into the early 80s and that's where like pro wrestling a lot of people will say is where the entrance theme originated at you know whether it be sergeant slaughter with the marine corps um whatever you call it the the recording of like the marine corps steps um and the drills and him walking to the ring to that or you have the fabulous Freebirds coming out to Freebird. Um, you know, either some stories where Gorgeous George had come to the ring with music before that in the 60s, something more along the lines of uh, a classical piece. So it had been out there. I definitely don't... I think there's so many different stories on who the first was. I think a couple different historians out there will say something different because uh, it was so territorial and no one really knows for sure. But it was, I believe... And I will go with and I will stand by that it was in the early 80s is when theme music and pro wrestling became a thing. It became so important. And all the territories around the country, it really centers back to like the Memphis territory where it took it to a new level and took it to a new height. Um, where they were, you know, Jerry Lawler had connections with the radio and, and Jerry Lawler had been a, a, a DJ on the radio before and when he'd heard about the Freebirds, and, you know, Michael Hayes come up with the idea to, to bring it here and play this song, and he, there was a lot of debate on what was going to happen in that Memphis territory and those southern territories, but it was Jerry Lawler who said, you know what, every guy should have a song, and he just started putting whatever song fit with whatever guy, and it, you know, blood its way into the Mid-South territory. Bill Watts, say what you will about him, he was open-minded enough to the change to where he rolled with it. You know, and, and then, you know, in Texas, it became huge. Um, arguably, Kevin Von Erich, when he started coming to Stranglehold by Ted Nugent, that might have been the hottest, it's a very popular song in pro wrestling. I've heard it on many shows, but Kevin Von Erich was the guy who, when that song hit, a place would just come alive. Uh, well, the Von Erichs in general... 
But uh, I just picture, you know, you know, Kevin especially, and then Carrie adopting it and having his own thing. But Stranglehold by Nugent, man, in the Texas, that was uh, wild scenes when you see them starting to use the theme song. To, it was basically to combat the Freebirds using Freebird, and then eventually they had their own theme song. They were the first to definitely come up with their own written, performed, recorded song in Bad Street USA, which was very iconic and still is to this day, um, as other artists have done it. Um but yeah, the theme songs really took the hold in the in the eighties and, and you look back at some footage pre like we'll just say pre nineteen eighty five, um, and guys just walked to the ring and they a lot of times walked through crowds and boxing still has that and, and the UFC kinda still has that scene where you see guys walking through a sea of people and I love it. I I love it. I, I love the production of the big giant entrance but there's something about watching the people the, the performer walk all the way from the back through the sea of people with the police escort and i, I love it whether they were a heel whether they were a baby face the crowd would just it would it would echo throughout the arena and and i sometimes love watching old like 1970s, like even WWF shows at like Madison Square Garden because you can't even see the, the the guy walking through the curtain and the crowd can't see him. Uh, the awesome drop down mic, and I'll get into the ring announcer and and the referee and how important everybody's job is to make an entrance. But uh, you had that awesome drop down mic from MSG and you had the announcer in the ring, and before he could even announce who was coming out, you'd hear the buzz. And you could hear it through the, uh, you know, when you when you watch some of that old stuff back, you'll hear the buzz start. And, and uh, was, I've been at shows where guys have come to the ring with no entrance music, um, even WWF shows as a kid. And it, you're like, who is it? Who is it? You don't know who it is. You just see a guy walking. And then, you know, especially back then with the stars, you just hear the, the, the crowd and it would start almost like a wave. Instead of the wave with everybody throwing their hands up in the air, it's just like a wave of sound where you had each person on each side of like that guardrail of the entrance and the sound just echoed from there, wrapped all the way around the arena and encompassed up. And I actually got goosebumps talking about it because sometimes, yeah, those guys didn't have entrance music, but the big time stars, when they would hit those, when they would come through that curtain and they just, and they had the opposite effect sometimes where there was just nothing, it was just chatter. It was just you know, people talking. Who is it? Who is it? Who is it? You don't. You can't make out what anybody's saying. But there's no, there's no cheer. There's no roar. There's no boo. But when Bruno hit that curtain, man, holy crap! No theme music. Bruno San Martino makes an appearance in that place. It would. It was. It's electric to to watch a crowd react that way. And you would see it too with boxing before boxers started having theme music as well. They just walked to the ring with their corner, and it was they all trying to be hype themselves up sometimes they would have like just house music playing or whatever but it wasn't specific to that guy's entrance especially in the 80s but in the 70s you know you see you know ali some of the ali's entrances and it's just like holy and he got it ali had pro wrestling big pro wrestling fan so he understood that you had to have some showmanship but you know the baby face just kind of comes out sometimes you slap some hands but they had that look on their face of i'm going into battle I'm going to go in there. I'm going to kick this guy's ass in front of me. They're a different time, different era, different society. Baby faces were a lot more serious um, 
and they played that underdog role for the most part well because, I mean, they had to come from underneath and, and more often than not in the fans' eyes. And just in their entrance alone, walking to the ring, they had to convey that. Um, they had to walk with confidence and, and purpose, and you had to have your chest stuck out and, and be big and larger than life and you know slap some hands if you want to. But a lot of times, baby faces didn't really do that. They didn't pander to the crowd. To, you know, I'm specifically picturing like, Bruno San Martino now, and I've seen entrances from other territories um, as well, and it, you you would get it and you wouldn't like you know um, like a young young Ricky Steamboat was was the white meat baby face who would slap hands um, on his way to the ring uh, without the theme music and you know hugging hugging ladies and kissing babies as they say, or you know kissing ladies and hugging babies. Um, if you're the Rock and Roll Express, but they had theme music, before theme music, um, you know, and, and, and no matter where it was at, these guys just, they, they were over there, I mean, that magnetic, and I think of Bobo Brazil here in Detroit, uh, my, my great aunt, huge wrestling fan, one of the big reasons I, I, I got into wrestling um, as a child, she would talk about, when Bobo Brazil would walk out, like, oh, the whole Kobo arena would just, it, you know, just would be behind him, and he came out, he flashed one little smile, give a little wave to the crowd, but for the most part he came in there, he was all business, he was serious. It was his adversary that had all the antics. The heels would stir the crowd up, they would come out, no theme song. And the heels had the, they were the over-the-top personalities, and they were the ones yelling at the crowd and yelling back and... They had the antics, and they had the different walk, and the different pantomiming, and the poses, and a lot of times they had a mouthpiece with them, and they would cheat, and they would, no matter what it was, the heel would come out and get the heat. They would generate the buzz, so when that baby face would walk out, you know, I think the, the, the Sheik coming out, and he had uh, um, his, his valet with him, his, his wife, and she would come out, and they'd roll the carpet out, and he'd kick her in the ass. Um, he would scold her and yell at her, and you you know you, you sympathize with this poor woman, and this guy's just a king asshole. So before that baby face hit the curtain, you already hate the sheik. You already hate the sheik. So all Bobo had to do is come out, be his big, lovable self, and the fact that he was an ass kicker and a, t- a real true talent helped his cause there. But that's what pro wrestling was built on, with or without theme music in the entrance. Talking about the sheik there and gorgeous George, these guys transcended. The entrance now and now when I see the entr- the evolution of the entrance and it's the the posing and the pantomiming it's so staged it's so phony it doesn't feel natural where I think back to guys like the Sheik and Gorgeous George and they were you know doing things that looked natural to them they were way over the top way ridiculous but in the time and in the era they absolutely worked for them. Because they were the heels, they were the bad guys, and all that babyface had to do was just come out and react. Going back to a theme here in all my podcasts is wrestling is reacting. You react to what your opponent does. The heel sets the tone. They set the stage. He comes out, makes a, stirs the pot, gets the crowd buzzing, gets everybody pissed off at him, and then when that the hero comes out. It's a hero's welcome, as they say, because they're so happy to see this guy. That goes back predating pro wrestling all the way to the medieval times where the knight would come in and boast and brag and then the hero knight 
would would appear and get the hero's welcome to come kick this guy's ass and that is the basic foundation of pro wrestling especially from an entrance standpoint um but getting back to like the theme song um and tying it back to the walk is those guys when they walk to the ring back in the day with no theme song the way they walked and carried themselves was their whole entrance that combined with the way the ring announcer announced them he had to have a very announceable name as someone who's probably, I've, I, well, not probably, I have ring announced far more matches than I've wrestled them because you ring announce seven to ten matches a show and you wrestle on one. Um, but uh, as a guy who's probably done that more in my career than anything else, ring announcing, a name is so important. Uh, so many guys try to get cute with their, with their entrance. Um, it, it works for some, doesn't work for others. I think the best the best entrances have something memorable about them. But again, the cute stuff needs to fit your character. Um, you know, when when a lot of a lot of things will sound campy and over the top if it's ridiculous. Um, depending on the show you're on, depending on the audience, some of that that cheesy campy over the top type of stuff can work when you have the ring announcer say it. But I'll be honest with you, as a ring announcer. Your job is not to put the spotlight on you; is to put the spotlight on the talent, and that's a huge part of their entrance. Is the the sound to their entrance, the visual aesthetic is on that person. All eyes. It's the only time in pro wrestling where one hundred percent of the fans' attention is on the one single performer. And that is during their entrance. Everybody's eyes are at the curtain. Everybody's looking at the curtain. When the person walks out, every person's looking at them there. No one should be looking at the ring announcer or the referee in the ring. Everybody's eyes should be fixated on the the human being walking through the curtain. When that performer comes through the curtain and the announcer begins to announce their name, now some shows you have audio issues to where the announcer has to announce them beforehand. Those are shows especially when the announcer has announced them beforehand that you don't want something ridiculous in your announcement because you want as a as a performer i can understand why you would want that but as a pro on the promotion side and on the company side you want that all to sound like a what's the word i'm looking for here you want that to be a very similar sound for every person, um, you know, you think use it as an example. If if you have to announce the people before they come out, it's one of those things where it's like, all right, ladies and gentlemen, making their way to the ring next. This evening, he's coming to the ring, weighing at two hundred and forty-two pounds. He comes to you out of the great state of Nevada, ladies and gentlemen. Please welcome Las Vegas, and then the and a performer. Las Vegas' theme song hits, and the guy comes out. His opponent. Kind of come to the ring next. You know, and I'll go into my little ring announcer voice here again and be like, and his opponent, making his way to the ring next, will be a man weighing in at 216 pounds. He hails from Detroit, Michigan. Ladies and gentlemen, this is... 
Bobby Jefferson. Making names up here. Old Bobby Jefferson comes out, but it's you're just setting the tone for the guy um, without that theme song behind him. You don't want to have... It's more of a conversation um, that you're having with the people because the eyes are then on the ring announcer when there's no theme song playing. When the theme, when the ring announcer is the backing track um, to that, so the theme song's hitting, it's grooving, it's grinding. No matter what the song is, the announcer got to speak to it and be like, oh, making the way to the ring now. And again, it's just as simple. It's a backing track. It's it's part of the music. So it's important to have something that the ring announcer can talk to. Finding the beat of the song and talking through it and finding the right moment to do that. Making the way to the ring now. He comes making the way to the ring now. He's 215 pounds from Satan's lair. The devil or whatever their their gimmick might be. Or, um, you know, introducing first. He hails from Stone Mountain, Georgia. Um, I don't know why I laughed there. I guess let's go to the Jake State Roberts. You try to make things up in your head as you go, but uh, you know you have things here, and then um, you know uh, a lot of times with with female talent, it'd be like a bang like uh, she comes to you out of uh, Charlotte, North Carolina. I've got nothing. I've drawn a blank on uh, on this um, without trying to meme other people so I was gonna say like like Betty Best Face, but that's a terrible name. Um Betty Best Lace. Who the hell I don't know. Maybe come with a better name. I guess I like, should look around for uh some influence here. But anyways, um that's that's the point is the ring announcer shouldn't have the spotlight on them. They're just adding to the track. So when you have shows where you don't have the ability for the announcer to talk while the track is playing um, it's important that the ring announcer stays similar and doesn't have anything ridiculous to say because then the spotlight goes on the ring announcer and people are going to remember what the ring announcer says more so than the person coming through the curtain if you've got something hokey and jokey in your entrance. So I think it's important to cut the hokey-jokey stuff out and keep it serious and everybody has the same type of credentials. Um, wait, where you're from, name, that's it. Uh, you don't need the where you're from to be something something real long and drawn out and goofy and silly. Um, but anyways, I went out of a diatribe there, and that's why this was ramblings of a uh, <laughs> ramblings of a grappleman. But um, the walk, golly, it took me 25 minutes to circle back to the walk. But uh, the walk is so important because the whether it be the beat or the riff, like I said, you got to be able to have something you can walk to, and. A crowd can pick up on your persona and your character by the way you walk. If you're a showman or if you're a, a villain, like um, you shouldn't walk the same way you would if you're a tough guy babyface. Now, if you're a tough guy heel and your character is that you're the, the the biggest baddest guy in the promotion you can walk slow methodical whether you're baby face or heel but you gotta have a walk and you gotta have a song you can walk to with a groove um i'm a big metal head i'm a big metal fan but thrash metal speed metal not typically the best entrance songs because guys can't walk to it they'll a lot of times run out to it and run around the ring and 
go crazy and that's cool if you've got one of those guys on a show but if you've got four thrash metal entrance songs on a show you ain't standing out you're just one of four crazy metalhead guys who came running out and made it you know not make a fool of yourself but you exert so much energy there and going back to like the ultimate warrior yeah metal theme song but it, it had a groove to it uh you know if you're a metalhead come with something with a groove to it you know, groove metal very very great genre probably my favorite genre of metal um because the songs have they're they're chunky and they you can walk to them um when i my theme song was an iron maiden song typically a real fast band not a band i ever thought i would use as a entrance song but upon listening to an album one day and i heard a song I'm like man it's just a good got a good bounce to that riff i you know picture myself taking a step to it you know, it's got a good chug to it, and that's important. And I, that's when I, how I kind of have adopted the strut it was like one shoulder, one foot, one shoulder, one foot, and it's like okay. And then I'll, you know, have this robe. And of course, and I wasn't, I actually wasn't influenced by Ric Flair, but when I came to the ring and I had like the robe, and then I said, well, I've got to have my own walk. I didn't know what it was going to be, so I just kind of threw the hands out, walked. My older brother said it was a Jimmy Garvin strut. And you know what? In hindsight, it was like, I was like, well, I'm going to take a couple people's struts in my head and go with it. And it did end up kind of having a very Jimmy Garvin vibe, but the hands would have just been flipped the other way instead of palms down, palms up. But a little bit of the same shimmy and shake and jive. But, you know, in 2005, when I'm doing that, a lot of people don't remember Jimmy Jam. Um... And it, like I said, it wasn't intentional. You just take the influence. You go, okay, I don't want to... I'm wearing a robe, but I don't want to strut like Ric Flair. I don't want to strut at all, but it's just going to happen. Because um, nobody else is strutting. And I can come up with a different strut to my walk. And, and uh, you know, shine up... I'll stand out from else with my entrance. And, I, and before the bell even rang... Um, you know, I, I I could stir a crowd up, and I think a, a great you can tell a lot by how experienced and how talented a wrestler is before the bell rings, based off their entrance, based off the way they walk, based off their theme song, how they walk to the theme. If the theme theme song fits the visual and what the crowd is seeing for the very first time, you have to assume that there's someone in that crowd who's never seen you before. So that person should have a preconceived notion on who you are, what you're about. Uh, before you even step foot through those ropes, and then stepping through foot through the ropes, so important. There's a, you can you can get a lot out of just getting to the ring. I used to say like I get more out of my entrance than I can get before I even touch my opponent. Um, and to me, an entrance goes whether the first person to the curtain, or the second person, third, fourth, fifth, whatever it might be, before the bell rings, that's all part of your entrance. So if you're standing in the ring waiting for the other guy, that's still part of your entrance. You should be carrying yourself for a pre-fight ritual. Um, you shouldn't be acting like you're already in the fight, or you shouldn't be acting like it's post-fight. You're you're getting prepared for a fight, and how whatever your character does is what you should be doing. If you're again, you're a, if you're a fighter, you should be ready to fight if you're a um more of a cerebral strategic type of wrestler maybe you're you know you're not bouncing around throwing fists shadow boxing or anything you're just kind of standing back you're watching your opponent you're thinking you're thinking you're thinking you know you want to convey it to the crowd that hey i'm not just standing here for no reason so you're maybe you know if i had a beard stroke my beard if you don't have a beard you know you can you know, do the old thinker pose as you're standing there. You're sitting. You know, uh, you know, guys 
sit in the corner or lay in the corner and show that hey, they they don't sweat them. I mean, everybody's got their own shtick on what works for you. As long as it fits your character and as long as you're reacting off your opponent, that's all that matters. Um, just be you, understand you, and play off your opponent. Because that's all part of your interest too. But the walk, but getting in the ring with the referee, how you react with the referee, how you react with the announcer. Every person in that building is an accent to you during your entrance. You are the, again, the only time the spotlight is on you. This is your first impression. Everybody's looking at you. So you can use the stage hands that help support the show, whether the costume people that carry them to the back or the uh, the referee, the ring announcer. You're already in the ring with two people. Play off them, react to them. Or if you're not reacting to them or you're not playing off of them, it's because you're an asshole and you're arrogant and you don't want to, you, you know, you're scoffing. I'm like, what are you talking to me? You know, there's, you can't just come in the ring and stand there and just look like a deer on the headlights because you're going to get eaten alive. And it's so important that you play off of uh, everybody else. With all this being said, the posing and the pantomiming, and when I hear guys say, like, oh, what's my taunt going to be? I'm like, what the hell do you mean a taunt? And I get it. Oh, it's video games. Oh, the video game generation. I was a video game guy coming up, but you can't be a video game wrestler in real life. Like, you have to... Taunts are... <laughs> it's funny talking about it, because it's like... Whatever you do in your entrance should be natural to that character. It's all part of that character. It all goes back to me talking about characters. You listen to previous podcasts. Entrance is very similar to that. Every character should have a weakness and listen to the vulnerability episode uh, on, on understanding that. But the the thing that will always crack me up is guys talking about taunts. It's like it's not so much a taunt. It's it's not so much a pose. It's it's, it's something you would do in that moment. Um, you know, do it just because. And and now, especially in wrestling, everybody walks out. They go to their cue on the stage. They do their little dance or their little shimmy or whatever the hell they do. And then they walk to the ring. And then before they get in the ring, they do another little shimmy or taunt or whatever it might be. Then they get in the ring their own little way. Then they go. They find the hard cam. They they do it one more time. Where. It's like, is this person coming out for a fight? Are they coming out for a dance routine or what? And I get it. It is performance, entertainment. I understand all that. But on the indie scene, it looks ridiculous. Um, unless it's part of your hype up. Some guys can make it work because you come out, you slap on the floor, you're getting the adrenaline of the crowd, you're firing yourself up. Hit your cue there, but don't do some phantom play off of it let it be natural in the situation if you're coming out and you're fired up and you're getting those people fired up that's what that area in front of the entrance is for you know if that's your character if, if you're a larger than life you're standing there and you got all eyes on you and you do a little spin and you're 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 up and you're 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 soaking in the attention that's great too but if you come out and you do a little dance number who's that for you know, that's not getting you ready for a fight. You're not rallying the people behind you. You're just doing a dance to a dance. Um, and, and, you know, and hippity-scoppity, hopscotching your little ass to the ring, and that doesn't do anything. Like, then you get in the ring, and you find the, the hard cam. You do another little dance routine, and you're laughing, and you're smiling, and it's like, okay, is this person here to fight? They're here to dance. It's pro wrestling. I wanted to see someone fight. 
your gimmick is you're a dancer. You hit your little dance in the entranceway. You hit your little dance in the ring. Okay, yeah, this guy's a dancer. But then in your match, you should have stuff that incorporates dancing into your moveset. A whole nother discussion for a whole nother time. But if everybody on the show is coming out dancing, then who the hell is a dancer and who's not? One guy dances. One girl dances. One guy's tough. One girl's tough. Well, you, you cannot have 27 tough guys and 27 dancers walk through the curtain. You need a variety, and every character should be different. Again, listen to previous episodes of Ramblings with Grappleman. Where was I? <laughs> um, I, I, you know, in the ring, though, it's so important when you get in there um, and, and what you do in so lost and the old school i think more younger wrestlers don't watch old wrestling so much for um how to have a match in 2021 because i'll be the first to admit that some of those matches i mean you'll find some great matches but if you're not I, I encourage every young wrestler especially to watch stuff from way before they were born because you can Learn, and I'm not saying watch it to steal it, but you'll see moves and you'll see psychology applied in a different way that you can incorporate into your style. But more importantly, watch what happens before the bell. Um, watching the guys before the bell is so important. I remember being on shows, and I had this little thing I did, and in in it, it it boggled my mind that people didn't think of this type of stuff. But I'm like. I would think of things that would have that would accent my match uh, and my character, especially when I was a, this is how I was me as a heel the, of before the bell. How do I tell my story? How do I get my story established um, before a bell? And one thing I love to do as a heel, and you can't do this every match, but if, especially if I was new to a uh, an audience I'd never wrestled in front of before, or, or if I'd only wrestled in front of a few times. I would pull this out within one of my first few times wrestling there. But I would come to the ring, and in one boot, I'm a bad guy now. So I do my whole entrance. I got my walk. I'm in the corner. I got my robe on. Guys made his entrance. Opponents were both in the ring now. Referee's trying to you know, start the match, whatever it might be. Uh, you know, but he, He's going to do the pat-down before he can start it. Of course, I still have my robe on. If he's telling me to take it off so he can pat me down, then you know, I make him take it off me. Um, I always made the referee take my robe off me anyway because, again, that's going to get me heat, and it's a fancy rope. So I need to take the robe. I hand it off to the uh, the costume assistant at ringside um, and make sure, you know, and then get over the fact that my robe means something to me. So now, I'll, again, part of my entrance, part of the entrance is keeping the spotlight on you. Yeah, your opponent's in there. You're playing off them. It gives the baby faces a chance to play off of the robe exchange or whatever. And this is, would always be perfect, depending on where I'd be at in the ring. This trick would always work if I'd be far side from the entrance. Because I could hand the robe off, be scolding the person to stand there and hold my robe, take good care of it. If anything happens to it, if there's a single thread missing, you know, I'm coming after you. You know, it's, it's that, that cost that's worth more than their yearly salary, whatever. You just say stupid shit like that for heat. But I would always tell them, you know, under under my brother, I'd be like, hey, just walk real slow. Walk real slow. 
and and um, you know, and I try to indicate to the babyface as they walked around the ring, and the babyface opposite corner, closer to the entrance, to try to stop the person. Hey, you okay? Whatever. So, reasoning for that is, and I wouldn't talk to him about this beforehand, but any good babyface should pick up on that. Walk slow, walk past the walk past my opponent. Reason behind that is because then the referee would do the pat down after they had my robe. Now the person's walking real slow around the ring. Referee's patting me down. Boom, he gets to my boot. I'd feed him a boot with a chain in it. He'd find the chain. He'd pull this long chain I'd have stuck in my boots. He'd pull his long chain out and he would show the audience could see it. Oh my God, he had a chain in his boot. What an asshole. He was going to cheat with that, right? Now... The distraction is, you know, and now the the, the bay face is distracted by the, the poor, you know, woman who I insulted and yelled at to, for carrying my robe or whoever, whomever it may be. And then they're going to hand um, her their, their ring jacket if they've got one or whatever accessories they have. Or maybe they have nothing. But, you know, they're going to stop to console them. And they're also going to be confused. Like, what the hell? He's got a chain. While all this distraction's happening, the referee's pulling it out. He's going to get out of the ring. Babyface distracted by one person, distracted by the chain. I go in my other boot, pull out foreign object, look around the crowd, telling him, like, Shh, to, to be quiet, stick it in the other boot that was just checked that had the chain in it. Well, the referee comes back. I feed him the boot that he didn't check. He checks it. Checks the rest of me. He's good. Now the crowd's already in a fever pitch because they know I'm going to cheat. Babyface didn't see it. Ref didn't see it. Ring person didn't see it. So I've already got more heat before the bell rings. And a lot of that I took from the original Sheik. Um, and I encourage young wrestlers to do the same thing. I don't care. Steal that spot if you're listening to this. Um, and get it over. Bring it to a new generation. Because those are things that you can do before the damn bell rings. That to me is part of an entrance. Part of your match time, because to me, uh, your entrances are also very important to flow of the show and match time. But boom, I've already got heat and story before the bell even rings. And the fans know it's coming. They know I'm going to try to use it. Nobody else knows I'm going to try to use it. And then when you do use it, it makes sense. And then you incorporate it into where you get a smart baby face or it would backfire on me. I, I, I would establish it so then as a baby face, I would try the same trick. Yeah, I'd have, you know, a heel would see it, especially in a tag team match. One of the heels would see it. He's got something in his boot. And we did a spot where headlock takeover, got the guy in the mat, boom, got the headlock in, and they reach in my boot, and they're trying to pull the foreign object out because they know I've got it. And whoa, whoa, whoa. And there was a match we did where the guy got it. You could tell so much of the story around a foreign object or international object um, or, you know, a legal weapon, if you will. But no matter what it might be, so a key thing, but I always like to have those things as part of my entrance, and I think it's important that young wrestlers. Just, well, I'm not saying I, 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 not trying to put myself over here, but I'm just telling you things that work for me, and I encourage others to do it as well and to think outside the box. That's my number one thing I always say on this podcast is to think outside the box and find something that no one else is doing and make it your own. But a good entrance. I know I divulged heavily on the song, the walk, all that being so important, the poses, is that the other thing, but. You have to stand out. It's the only time all eyes are on you, and it is a pivotal part of every wrestling match is the entrance of the person. Um, but you have to have your entrance to your role. If you're if you're going out there and you're going to get your ass kicked in two or three minutes, and that's the plan, you have your entrance to showcase why you're going to get your ass kicked in two or three minutes. 
whether you're going into the fight injured or you're scared or you're intimidated or you're in a bad mood or you're out. People have off days too, especially if you're going to a front of a crowd that knows you and you're like, you know, you, the last time they saw you, you had a seven or eight minute pretty solid little match and now you got to come out here the next time in front of these people and you're going to get your, you're going to get steamrolled. Yeah. Convey during your instance that you're, ha- you're having an off night. Even if it's like stumbling a little bit while you're getting in the, not stumbling to haha stumbling, but you get in the ring, you're just like, you're shaking your head. And that's where you've got the referee and the ring announcer playoff. The referee, hey man, you okay? Yeah, yeah, you know, you, you have those conversations, you have people play off of using your brain um, outside of the A to Z script of a wrestling match is where it needs to be. Because again, the A to Z script in a wrestling match, not that important. If you just react off your opponent, you play off each other, you talk about a few things beforehand, and you let it all come natural and let it all flow together, you play your character, they play their character, you understand the gravity of the whole situation, You know that's that's what makes pro wrestling good, great, grand, whatever it might be. And then you get people talking like, hey, did you see, uh, you see Joey out there tonight? Yeah, that guy stuck. He got killed in only three minutes. And then the other fan can say, yeah, you know, you see didn't seem like it was his normal self. If they've never seen you before, you could come out and be a little bit wide-eyed and man, especially if you want to promote put a promotion over and get back. Fans don't know you on the internet. It's, it's easy to do some research, but if it's your first time wrestling somewhere, you've never wrestled there before, you're not really established, nobody really knows who you are. You go to a promotion and you're like looking around with people Hopefully we have shows with people again, and you're looking around, and you're just like a little bit wide-eyed, and you, you, you sell that big stage feel. You're putting the promotion over, you're putting those fans in attendance over, you're putting everything over that, wow, this is a big show, this is really important to you, and you're just, you're starstruck. You're vulnerable, going back to the vulnerability episode, you're putting yourself in a vulnerable situation to where your opponent can come out, Get all the attention on them, be Billy Badass, and walk right through you. But in your entrance, you can get more over. You can set the tone of the story in just your entrance and let the story of the match follow up because you know what that is. Um, again, I've rambled on for over 45 minutes now. I thought this was going to be a short one. Nothing I do is ever a short one. So thanks for listening to Ramblings of a Grappleman. I appreciate each and every one of you people out there. Thank you so much. Share, subscribe. Um, I have an Instagram account now of ramblings of a grappleman. I'll smash together one word. Uh, I'm Matthew underscore priest on the Instagram and the Twitter. Uh, thank you, Anchor. Thank you uh, to those folks who listen to Gambling with a Grappleman. Football season's over. Uh, there still could be some, some episodes popping off here and there, but it's going to be more uh, diving back into uh, the world of pro wrestling. I'll have some more guests on in the future. Thank you for the feedback, uh, the Maserati Rick episode. Uh, I've got a few people lined up in the future that we want to talk to, break things down. But we're just talking entrances here today. And again, thank you all so, so, so much. I uh, can't wait to hear your feedback on this episode. And hopefully you can take a little grain of salt out of there. And remember, stay classy, stay confident, stay cunning. Catch you on the other side of the trail.